And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation that I'm hoping helps your business grow. So quick question for everyone out there. Are you a leader? Are you a manager? Because there's a big difference. You know, I've had this discussion with a lot of different people, and I'm going to have it with someone else that's here with me today. But it is really a big difference between a leader and a manager. We're going to talk all about that. With me today, I have a gentleman named Scott Yaki. And Scott is the founder of Hydros, which you can find at Hello Hydros, and that's H-Y-D-R-O-Z.com. Uh, straight out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Scott, welcome to Startup Hustle. Matt, appreciate it. Great to be here. Yeah, and you know, uh, I like to say that no one tells the story better than the founder. So before we get into the whole discussion of leadership versus management, why don't you uh, let myself and the hustlers out there hear a little bit more about what you're doing up in Grand Rapids. Sure. Um, so Hydro's uh, at its core is uh, focused on making the break room better in offices. Um, we specialize in providing water purification services to uh, break rooms and waiting rooms, um, basically allowing businesses the ability to fresh squeeze their own pure water uh, without using single-use plastic or the five-gallon jugs. And so we're able to do so uh, uh, to eliminate a lot of exposure um, through lifting those bottles, we, uh, help bring back storage space um, by not having to store them, as well as our machines are just sexier, which I can't believe I'm saying that water cooler is sexy, but it is sexier. I, but I have a, a really pressing question that I think everyone wants to know before we get started. Is it possible to change one of those bottles without spilling the water? Absolutely not. Absolutely. It's okay. almost a right okay. pass, I think. <laughs> I feel a lot better now because, you know, I've been yeah. trying my whole entire life and I'm like, does anyone ever get this? And yeah, I always think about one of my favorite episodes of 30 Rock where Les Lemon tries to change one of those and ends up with about 10% of the water still in the bottle. So, all right. So, you know, one of the one of the things that has been a hot topic in the Startup Hustle chat, which you are a uh, regular visitor and participant of, is, you know, we've been having some some questions and, and debates amongst the members of the community and talking about the difference between leadership and management. When you think of a leader, Scott, what do you think of? To me, um, at its most rudimentary form, um, leaders work with people. Managers have people working for them. Um, and there's all kinds of different bifurcations and, and different facets that you can talk about. But, but at its core, leadership truly is uh, pooling the collective cognitive resources of, of everyone on the team and finding a way to win um, and not letting your ego get in the way of that. Okay. And, and I, I, I buy that. And now technically the definition of leadership is the action of leading a group of people or an organization, which is pretty general. 
I mean, that's a pretty general definition. I mean, I think that when most people think about what a leader is, they're going to, I don't know, you think about world leaders first. You may think of, uh, sometimes people think of sports leaders, like here in Kansas City. I know this is this show doesn't come out right away, but our hometown Chiefs just made it to the Super Bowl again. Sure, so congrats. congratulations to them. And we think of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid as the coach and the player leader there. So uh, when you think of when you, now, when you think of a manager, what comes to mind? To me, a manager is more of, uh, I would say, kind of a dictator, um, someone who who says the way that they want things done, but aren't as open to allowing people to, to pivot that path. Um, Steve Jobs, I thought, said it the best way in why hire people and tell them how to do their job uh, when you know we can basically empower them to to help create something that maybe we as as business leaders couldn't think of on our own or, or hadn't thought of yet and having a new fresh pair of eyes to take a look at it. I, I For me, I, when I think of manager, I think of someone that is only focused on the tasks that need to be done, meaning like the rudimentary elementary tasks and might not have the ability to get other people in and around the organization involved in accomplishing them. So, you know, and then like, I don't know, I mean, I probably should have maybe done a little more background check on what I thought a manager was. And I think that I, I don't think about that a whole lot because I've never wanted to be a manager. I've always wanted to be a leader. Um, I know personally, as I grew professionally, uh, I got into sales for a while and I thought that that was like the greatest thing because I made a decent amount of money and I was good at it. And then as I looked around, I started seeing that the people that I really admired and wanted to be when I grew up um, were leaders. And I, I put a lot of, I put a lot of effort, time and energy into researching what it took to be a leader. So, well, Scott, are you a leader? Or are you a manager? I would like to say that I'm a leader. Um, I, so it's, it's kind of funny. My first boss, if you will, which I, I'm not a huge fan of that term, my first boss kind of drove it home for me. And he would always introduce me as someone who worked with him, even though I clearly was his subordinate. And that always really resonated with me and something that I really appreciated. And now whenever I go out with our with the salespeople or um, service tax, you know, my Barry, for example, is a guy who always introduces me as his boss and I always correct him and say, hey, man, I'm not your boss. We work together. And you know, I, I try to do my best of saying, hey, here's the general direction that I think we're, we should go. I don't know the path. I want all of us to work on what that path looks like. And if that general direction needs to pivot, let's take a look at it and let's evaluate it together. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, I think it's really easy to be a manager. It's very easy to say, do this because I said so. It's hard to build a rallying effort behind a, a, common, a common cause, if you will. I mean, would you say that would you are you more of a leader or more of a manager, especially with the various businesses that you've started? I think I'm a terrible manager. I'm a great leader. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> I mean, and I mean that. Like, I mean, I, 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 uh, which I don't know if that makes me a great leader. Maybe I. When I think about a leader, I think about someone that has the ability. Okay, so there's this there's this saying: all you can do is all you can do. 
And therefore you can be a good, a great manager, but if you're not a leader, you're not going to be able to inspire and move other people to get tasks and things done with and for you. And by the way, I do want to commend you because I'll say the same thing. Like you don't work for me, you work with me. And you know, that's, I think that that's really important. And when it comes to being a leader, I don't think you can appoint leadership. You can appoint management. You can say, Scott is the manager, but, and you can, I mean, you technically, you can say Scott is the leader, but that doesn't necessarily mean you are actually the leader. I think leadership is one of those things that people, uh, you, you kind of grow into, you become, you earn, it's kind of like trust. Um, and when it comes to like management, like I said, you can appoint a manager. And I, I take that approach a lot at our businesses because especially like you look at like a programming team, you might have four or five people who say, well, who's the lead? And sometimes we say, well, why we, we should let that sort itself out, you know? And cause the thing is, is when you appoint leadership, it doesn't mean that anybody's going to respect that leader, which can make it pretty difficult to get it done. Have you ever worked somewhere where they're, where they appointed a leader and then someone else was actually the leader in reality? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, I've, I've seen both sides of the spectrum. I've, I've worked for people who are informal leaders and I've worked for people who are formal managers. And, um, it's always interesting because the informal leaders are the ones who are able to, who, who seem like they're able to get way more done and they were able to have uh, a lot more camaraderie on those teams. Um, whereas the informal managers, there's always this resentment of of the boss versus the employees, um, and it's it's never it never creates a, a great culture either. If you really think of it, no one no one wants to be told that they have to do something, especially if if they don't feel like they're being valued, um, or if it's something that they don't necessarily agree with. And I think that a lot of times that gets lost, especially with frontline employees. Um, you know, undercover boss, that TV show, for example, I think does a great job of highlighting that. Um, it's easy to get, to get lost in the layers of bureaucracy, but, but it's, it's hard to be an empathetic leader and to really try and figure out a way to connect with the people that you work with. Yeah. And, you know, going back to that, all you can do is all you can do. Meaning like, you know, if you're, if you're really trying to build a, I, I like to say that your goal as an entrepreneur should be to build a, build something that's bigger than you, uh, which means it has to extend past you. So if you don't begin to learn and understand and really embrace leadership, you're going to have problems. Now I, I defined leadership earlier, but I didn't define management. And so management is defined as the process of dealing with or controlling things or people. Now, those definitions are pretty the same. Once again, leadership, the act, the action of leading a group of people or an organization compared to the process. So according to definition, one's process, the other's action, which I guess a process is, well, a process isn't technically an action. It's a description of something that could be an action. Okay. I well, I, so, I, so, go ahead, sir. Sorry. I was going to say, um, I, I think that almost is, is a, a beautiful description of, of it. You can manage a sales process. You can manage a manufacturing process, but you want to lead the people within that process. Uh, with us, you know, that was one of the things that we really tried to hone in on, especially during COVID when things were slower for us, is how do we manage our sales process and get it to a point where we can then lead people so they can work within the process? Sorry, that's something that we're- What'd you, what'd you come up with? 
What was so the solution our, there? Ours is uh, we broke it up basically into into four steps, um, and it's it's one that uh, I had taken from a from another mentor of mine and kind of reshaped it, um, and then we deployed that into a CRM that allowed us to manage that process. So if we cold call say on a hundred businesses, um, we're going to try and set the appointment, which is the next step in that process. We're going to set about twelve appointments per hundred businesses we cold call on. The next step is that seven-day trial where we put in a, a free demo of one of our coolers, um, and we're going to get probably anywhere between eight to ten demos out of those twelve meetings. And then from those demos, we're probably going to get anywhere between six to eight sales. And so now we can take a look at our entire process because we can manage the process and then lead people if they ever have a deficiency in one of those steps of the process. And so it's really helping, and it's and it's also to be honest, helping a lot of our sales not fall through the cracks because it's easy to, to hammer down on those really warm or hot leads, but some of the ones that you know, we might have to come circle back around in a couple of weeks, now we can kind of manage that from a different level. Sorry, complete different tangent, but still relevant. Well, and you know, it's, it's, I think that you actually, one of, one of those steps was spot on in the regard that, okay, being, being able to identify where a team member is not performing and being able to lead them to a better solution or a better result. Now, I've really embraced the concept of extreme ownership. I, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but uh, you don't have to read the whole book to know what it is. And that's yeah. that there are no bad teams. There's only bad leaders. And what you talked about right there was having something in place where I can identify when someone isn't getting what they want and they're not getting what the business wants. And I can now, and now it's very easy for me to see, feel, hear that signal and move forward. And by the way, speaking of signals, I probably should have mentioned that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. This is my Monday morning recording people. So I'm usually needing to lead myself and managing my own ability to remind those of who has sponsored the show. It's a good thing that I don't charge full scale for that. So I mentioned earlier that we had, we, uh, I often collect info and input from the robust chat community we have related to Startup Hustle Chat on Facebook. Come find us and, and, and get heard. Uh, 93%, we did a poll and uh, a resounding 93% polled said their employees would call them a leader and not a manager. And we had a bunch of comments under that, people making some some funny comments, uh, like maybe they'll call me tyrant or, or different <laughs> things than that. But I think it's good. I think if you don't see yourself as a leader, then you probably never will be. So when, when you, Scott, when you think about what makes a good leader, like what, what, what's something that comes to mind? I think at its core is empathy. Um, being able to put yourself in your team's shoes and to come at it from a personal standpoint. Uh, managers, I think, are, are very rigid, like you had, you had talked about earlier. Whereas if you can, if you can put yourself in their shoes and, and I mean, one of the, the concepts that I firmly believe in and, and use is I won't ask anybody who works at Hydros to do something that I wouldn't do myself. Um, and that I think is just a good core principle. Um, so for me, that's, I think empathy is probably one of the foundational pillars, if you will, of, of good leadership, that and um, having an acute ability to be emotionally intelligent, not only reading other people, but also being able to look intro introspectively at yourself and being able to say, you know what, maybe I'm the asshole here. And 
and being able to take a step back and reevaluate and and to to correct your own your own action and how you communicate with people um, that really seems to be I think a really effective way of of kind of bifurcating the difference between the two. Yeah, and that's well said. You know, we uh, Watson and I were recording a fifty-two part series about how to build a tech, how to start a tech company. And you can listen to those in 2021 on Wednesdays. So, um, but we did just record an episode about the traits of successful startup founders and empathy and emotional intelligence were very high up on the list. Uh, you know, empathy is something that is spoken and not understood by a lot of people. And it's just, I mean, the simple definition of that's putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And, uh, you know, much like yourself, I, I've done every, pretty much every job at our company. And, mm -hmm. you know, when I go to our office in the Philippines where we have almost 200 employees, I mean, I take out the trash and I do everything, you know, like, cause well, some of it, honestly, as a leader, it helps me a get a better understanding and literally put myself in everyone's shoes. I also, it, it's oftentimes spot things. I'm like, why do we even do this? Like this, this is like a seriously unnecessary thing that we're doing. And also I get a, a, a strong and firm grasp on how long it takes to do things. And, yeah. you know, I, I think that all that stuff is really important. I, I like to say you, your, your finger should be on the pulse of your business. And how can you have your finger on the pulse of anything if you're not anywhere near it or close to it? So, all right. So we have a, a couple, a couple things that we've come up with that, uh, some, some, like what makes a good leader? Number one on that list is clarity. Hmm. I would agree. You know, I think, um, having a, a clear communication, uh, uh, approach to your team and having those open lines of communication. I mean, having an open door policy, for example, and not having, um, some kind of, of bureaucratic layers where you have to say, nope, you need to talk to your boss before you, you come talk to me about something. Uh, but then also, you know, communicating what the mission and vision is and, and getting people to rally behind that. That I think is absolutely crucial. And I agree a hundred percent because without, without communicating that mission and vision, people are now being robots as opposed to uh, able to really utilize their past experiences and their, and their personal resources to, to help win. And that's essentially why we're all in business. I don't think anybody wants to be in business just to break even. So Right. And I think if you don't have clarity about what it is that you're trying to accomplish, how can you expect anybody else to, you know, if, if you don't, you know, and I've said this before, but if it's like, if you're shooting baskets in the dark, you know, like you're in a dark gym and you're shooting baskets, how many should you expect to go in? Like, sure. Occasionally one might drop through, but that's an accident. And it's not because you have a clear vision of what you're trying to accomplish. I think another, I think you were right about the, the communication part as well and being able to clearly state what it is you're trying to accomplish. And then next on the list, we've got decisiveness. And I think that that is a product of clarity. Um, people, okay, most people actually don't see themselves as leaders and therefore want to be led. Now, yeah. if you have an indecisive leader, you get stuck. It's frustrating. You know, it's like, Oh, I don't know. It's just wishy-washiness. It just, it doesn't really, it, it, well, decisiveness and confidence, I hold hands. So but what, what, how, how do you feel about that? 
I agree completely. And I think that that's actually where one of, at least for me, one of those very fine lines between leadership and management is drawn. Um, because it is important to be decisive, but if you're, to me, at least thinking, thinking of an analogy, being in, a, in some kind of a conference room, if you will, um, a manager says, this is what we're doing. What do you guys think? And a leader to me says, here's, here's a question that we need to, or a problem that we need to solve. What do you guys think? And then have the leader come in on the back end and say, okay. I hear everyone, what everyone's saying, and either incorporate it, that and be able to, to pivot themselves personally or say, okay, but have we, what, what if we did this? And, and so to me, it's being able to, to have that, that ability to hold back what you think is the right answer and to get your team involved. Would you say yeah, that, that, you do that especially with well, I think it's tricky. I, I think it, I think it's tricky. I mean, because I think that that approach is right, but it but it can backfire on you because if you already know what your decision is, there's you lack a level of authenticity. Yeah. If you just if you're just making people you know say a bunch of stuff and you know you're not going to change, now that is a flaw as a leader. I think like why even ask if you don't care? Uh, but that would be a lack of empathy. And, you know, so I, I, you know, overall, like, I think people want to see a clear cut path. They want to know, like, we want to go from A to B. They want to have confidence in that decision. They want to have confidence in you. I think if you lack clarity and if you lack decisiveness, then you're not, you shouldn't be surprised if there isn't confidence in the team that uh, you're working with. Now, Next on the list is courage. And, and when I think about leadership now, this, now in this case, I think of like, military and like here's your leader and like if you're afraid to go into battle why would everyone else charge in behind you or like do it do it it with the way that you need to now in the case of an entrepreneur or a startup founder i mean you got you have the courage to put your money on the line like i mean there's a big difference between being an employee at a business and losing your job because the business fails and being the owner of the business and then the business fails Oh, absolutely. And, and you're, it's also as an entrepreneur, especially smaller startups, it's, it's that person's reputation is now on the line and, and you have to be willing to stick your neck out, not only for yourself and your company, but also your employees. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm a firm believer in a true leader is the first to accept blame and the last to accept credit. Um, and that's, yeah. that's yeah. one of our job, really, if you think about it, to, to make sure that we always put forward our employees and always keep them in the best light. I mean, I've, I've managed teams where um, people were old enough to be my parents and I was able to earn their respect and trust simply because I was always the one to fall on the sword and always the one to, to bolster their accomplishments. Even if it was something that I had spearheaded, want to make sure that they got the credit for it. And I'm not trying to shoot my own horn, but I do feel passionately about that because I do think that that's important. And especially as we move to a, a different style of workforce in today's day and age, you know, younger generations are going to start being put in leadership positions. And in order to get the respect of the, of the older generations, you have to be willing to put your ego aside and, and almost, I don't want to say coddle the older generations, but being able to support them and say, hey, look, we're all in this together. I have a different way of looking at things. You have some ways of doing things that are really successful. How do we, how do we merge the two of those so we can win and come out on top and then go out and get a beer afterwards? Yeah. And, you know, I think that there's the term responsibility and I don't mean responsibility. Like you need to be at work by nine 
responsibility mm-hmm. in the form that's saying, you know what, that was my call. I was wrong. Absolutely. I need to do a better job. I, I let you down. I need to do a better job next time or, you know, whatever. Now, and general responsibility like that is something that people, not just leaders, but people in general suck at. And <laughs> I've used this, I've used this example before, but it's not the, it's not the cop's fault that you got a ticket going 40 and a 25. That's your fault. That's your, that's your error. And, you know, but the person that doesn't want to take responsibility will say things like, they'll be like, I can't believe, how dare he give me a ticket? You know, yeah. and like, I mean, in, in the end, if you're taking responsibility, you're like, well, I was speeding and I got caught. I don't have to like it, but it's, I'm, I'm responsible for that outcome. Being, being emotionally intelligent and having, uh, being able to recognize an attribution bias towards yourself, I think is crucial. Because it's really easy to point a finger at somebody and say that that was the reason why. But when you point a finger at someone, you have three more pointing back at yourself, right? And so being able to being being able to recognize that, I mean, that was one of the, the biggest growing initiatives that we had to do at the end of 2019. Hired our first sales rep um, in the fall, and and the timing probably wasn't right. But more importantly, we didn't have the system in place to really support her and, and to do her justice in, in the role as a, as, as a salesperson. And, and she ultimately left um, because of it. And it was my own fault. I could have said that she couldn't sell. Um, but at the end of the day, that wasn't the case. She just didn't have the tools to do so. And that was a big learning, learning point for, for me and the company to say, all right, we have to reevaluate. We got to recenter ourselves and figure out how we're going to move forward. Yeah, that's something that, that I struggle with. Uh, occasionally too. And it's situational, you know, at, at, at full scale. And once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. But that, you know, our we had 200 employees after two years and, you know, you can go out of business or you can grow out of business. And, you know, all of a sudden we had this massive, t- you know, company. I mean, I say massive, 200 people, like it's a lot. And it's also all over the world. And between that and all the different things that I do, you know, it's sometimes hard to bring yourself to the right place at the right time, both in your own head or physically, especially amidst a pandemic, to actually get stuff done. And much like you mentioned, like we had to figure out a whole different type of communication because theoretically, everyone right now is a Zoom call away. But that doesn't mean that people actually use that option. You know, when we work, when we were there around each other all day, every day and all that, well, it's really easy to be like, Hey man, did you do that thing Yeah. for that other thing? And then, but, but when you're not around people, all of a sudden, like it's a, it's a note on a piece of paper and then it's an email and then it's a Slack message. And then it's an appointment like two weeks later to talk about it and it's still not done. And, you know, but, but some of that is, I think as a leader is that understanding and that empathy of knowing like, I'm not getting what I need to get done, done. So someone else can be successful. And I think as a leader, it's important for you to give priority to that stuff. Like, am I the blocker? And I mean, I, and I, I never want to be, but I am a lot. And it's, and so you got to, then, then you got to shift your focus to like letting other, you know, 
other people do their jobs, like you said. And I think some of that just comes from licensing people. And I, so I have this, uh, this thing I call the rule of yes. And it's an efficiency mm -hmm. thing. So if you think I'm going to say yes, 90% of the time, I don't even want you to ask. I'll just yeah. do it. And I'll deal with the 10% of the time that you're wrong. Now, that has been taken advantage of in the past because being 30 minutes late to work and saying that the rule of yes, you knew I would say that was cool. Maybe do that once, but if that becomes a pattern, that's not what the rule was for. But in some of that, it's a, I think good leaders empower those and license you to, hey, go out, do it, do something, you know, take a shot, take a shot. It doesn't have to be perfect every time. I'd rather see you take a shot get a night, get it right more than not, then sit around and not do anything. So, and, and you know, some of that, well, some of that goes into the next item on the list, humility. I mean, you got to like sometimes humble yourself and be like, I can't get this done. I won't get this done or I'm not, I'm just not getting it done and I need to do a better job. I think it's, it's really important for leaders to recognize that they don't have all the answers and they, they can't do everything. I mean, that's the whole purpose of having a team. Um, I think it's, it's, I, you did it really well. And I, I, I heard, I've heard you mention the rule of yes before on some of your other episodes. And I think that that's brilliant because it's so true. You want to empower people to, and build a culture of failure is okay. Now you want to put a caveat on that with as long as the failure only happens once and we learn from it and we can grow from it, that's okay. But you don't want people to not do anything out of fear of, of failure if if that's what we we allow to dictate our business decisions we never get anything done um you just continue to move along steady state and so um no i agree i love the the rule of s and i think that that's definitely something that we're going to start deploying here i just need to figure out what your royalty is for me to, to use it so <laughs> it's free man it's free Perfect. enjoy it and 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 if it's useful good um, yeah. No, that the, it's funny because the rule of yes is something I created years ago because I was finding that, that, and this was like a couple businesses ago, um, I was finding that my own employees were needing my leadership or approval. And there's so many different things. It's like, you don't need my approval to buy stamps. Like we're going to use them, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. go do it. And so some of that was just simple, like, you know, like get it done. And then some of it was, I was just seeing that we were, you know, if you want to look at, at process and efficiency or anything like that, I'm a real nut about these things. So all you have to do is watch the conveyor belt or the factory line and see where things stop or pile up. And those, that's what you need to go address. That's where you're inefficient. So I was just seeing that things weren't getting done. And it's also wanting to protect my own time a little bit because just, you know, too many things like, you know, <clears throat> you're the office manager. You don't need to ask me to buy stamps. Like, right. you know, and just stuff like that. Like, do we send stuff out? Well, no, because we don't have stamps. Well, why don't we have stamps? Well, I was going to ask you if I can go get some. Yeah. Did you think I was going to say no? <laughs> Did you think I was going to say, oh, we're out of stamps. That's it. Let's fold up. The business is done. We're not doing this anymore. Damn it, stamps. I can't believe you were the thing that got it done. All right. Let's, let's talk a little bit about some common traits of bad leaders. And, you know, okay. I know that you're a fan. I know you're a fan of the fact that we don't always talk about the rosy stuff on Startup Hustle because why would sure. we? 
So yeah. we meant we, and I've got a list of eight things here, which are some of which are just kind of the anti list that we, we mentioned, but first on it's lack of empathy. And I think yeah. that, you know, you talk about, um, I mean, people have lives like no one, your employees are never going to care about your business as much as you do. You got to accept that and know that it's a job for them. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't care and it doesn't mean that they won't, but they have other things going on. They're working at your enterprise. It's a, it's a way to make a living. And with that, like people have kids and, you know, I was worse at this until I had kids and I realized how hard that is. And then it like, it, it forced a little more empathy. I mean, where, where are you on the, on the empathy scale? Um, I would say that I almost (laughs) am empathetic to a fault. Um, I, I give a lot of leniency and and I, I want people to look forward to coming to work. Um, you know, from random rubber band fights in the morning to, um, which is a great way of, of, of team building, um, to, you know, someone, someone says, Hey, I, my, my dog is sick. I'm like, well, do you need to take it to the vet? No, I'm just kind of really struggling with it. Okay. Hey, you know what? Take the time that you need, get your mind right. Because if you're here and your mind is somewhere else, that's really tough. At the end of the day, I'm far less a believer of, you know, ass and seat from eight to five and more so, Hey, here's what we need to get done. Let's get it done. And as long as we get it done in the timelines that we agree upon, you know, I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, but you know, there's also, you have to be careful. And I think you had mentioned this. It's easy to be taken advantage of, especially if you show too much empathy. And, and I think that from a leadership standpoint, how do you, how do you work through that? And how do you work to, to make sure that people understand like, Hey, we still have a job to do. We still have to get stuff done all for having fun, all for, all for being a human about it. But we also, we need to get some wins and we need to get some stars on our chest. I think if empathy isn't your, isn't natural, like if you're just not natural, like my wife is naturally empathetic. I mean, she really is like, she's like one of the most caring people on the planet. And, and she'll tell you, it's like, kind of like you mentioned, she'll actually say it's to a fault. Cause she mm-hmm. kind of gravitates towards she, okay. She, she felt bad for the Buffalo bills yesterday <laughs> when they lost to our team, <laughs> you know, on the way to the super bowl. And she asked me, she goes, don't you feel bad? Like those guys had their hopes and dreams shattered. And I was like, no, I really wish that they hadn't scored at all. Yeah, and see- that was really how I felt. Like I really wanted to win 38 to nothing and not just to 15. But, you know, she felt bad for the other guys that lost. And I said, and she said, well, why, why don't you feel bad for him? I said, well, first off, they're professionals. They got paid really well to lose. Okay. So, you know, and then second off, they're professionals. They're playing a kid's game as adults. So, you know, if they didn't get what they wanted, I get it. I understand wanting to get there, but no, I don't, I don't feel bad for the, for the team we just beat, especially when they were getting flagged for all kinds of penalties and unsportsmanlike bullshit at the end of the game. Like, no, I, I really don't feel bad for you now. Now, on the flip side, some, I mean, I'm not always unempathetic, but, you know, it happens. All right, so next on the list, we talk about fear of change. And this is one that kills businesses. Oh, my God. If mm-hmm. you are in and around a business and you hear the owner or the leader or yourself saying this following line, you're fucked. Oh, things, I just wish things were the way they used to be. 
Oh. Oh. It's the worst, man. That is like the biggest red flag of fearing change. Like, and like you're watching the rearview mirror. And I saw, I've heard so many people say exactly that on their way to turning the clothes sign around for good. You know, um, there's something to be said for breaking conventional wisdom. I think acknowledging that things were really good in the past is important. And I think it's crucial to be able to draw on what were those good things and being able to reshape and remold that into where you are now. Um, because it's easy, it's easy to stay comfortable. Um, you know, one of the guys that I follow, Kerwin Ray out of Australia, um, he had an analogy about, um, being comfortable and, and sitting in, I think the way he described it was sitting in a pool full of piss. Um, it's not somewhere that you want to be, but it's comfortable because it's warm. And the moment you get out of it, you, know, you get that breeze and you're like, I don't want to be here anymore. And change is hard, but chances are the freshwater pool is a lot better than the other pool that you're sitting in. So, um, it's, it's true. Change, change is difficult. I, you know, the, 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 the area that you have to travel between point A and point B is always scary. And a lot of times you can't see, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel, but more times than not, B is always better than A. And it's just being able to, to really embrace that change and dive into it, invest in it, and, and to go wholeheartedly into it. Um, very similar to, uh, you know, Cortez, uh, when you discover the new world, he burned his ships because, like, he wanted to make sure that his crew was motivated. Hey, this, this is what we're doing. We're here. You can we're find here. There's no turning back. We're done. So... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm I, the guy that I'm the guy that lights the ship on fire as we approach <laughs> the beachhead. I don't even wait till we land. I'm like, hey, because I want you to get out of the boat that much faster. Yeah. Let's get moving. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, another thing on our list of what makes a bad leader, and I want to I want to put a, I'm going to bundle these two together. So uh, either too willing to compromise or they're too bossy, and those are two different things but they're related. So, you know, like, I mean, bossy is okay. People literally this, here's some science folks. Personality wise, you either are someone who likes to be pushed or someone who likes to be pulled mm -hmm. and you're rarely both. Now, when you're bossy, you're pushing all the time. Now I'm not one of those. I'm not pushed very well. Like if you're yeah. like, Hey man, let's get this done. Will you give me a hand? Boom. But if you're like, dude, go do it now, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to be like, you know what? Fuck off. And I'll probably <laughs> why, why do I need to go do that? Tell me why. Right, yeah. right. I get it. Yeah. So, and then, and then on the compromise thing, I, that's just a pushover. Mm -hmm. So what you usually get is if you, if I think is if, if you're in a leadership role and you're, you're too willing to compromise you're usually settling for far less than the objective calls for. And people start to notice that usually they take advantage of it in many ways. It's just like, you know, like you're almost overly concerned. You're, you, well, overly empathetic would probably be lead to that in some cases. It is. It's, it's really tough, especially because um, I think some leaders from a characteristic standpoint are more concerned, at least at a subconscious level, of wanting to be liked and wanting to be accepted into the group, if you will, um, because managers just truly won't care. And that's why I think they're more of an authoritarian as opposed to a leader. Um, but to your point, you know, I was trying to find that fine line of, of having empathy, wanting to work with people, but also saying, mm, no, you know, we 
we need to hit our sales goals for the month. And you know, how how can I, as your leader, help you get there? And how what tools do you need to to help make you successful? Yeah, and I think you know, and that's, I mean, you there's the the feeling of overcompromise is like you said, it's like okay, I'll do whatever anyone, it's not decisive. Mm -hmm. It's not, there's not clarity there. Uh, on this list as well, we have wishy-washy. I think you can get viewed as being wishy-washy in a lot of cases. And you know, that's like, I don't know. So next on the list, poor judge of character. Oh. I think, I think this one is good because I mean, you get the enough people lacking character in your organization, that's going to affect hiring. It's going to affect relationships. It's going to affect your ability to manage things that are going on in the business. You know, like if you think, if you think Jim is stealing, why do you think that? Yeah. You know, like you might want to look into that. Like there's a reason your gut's telling you that. And um, I think, I think another thing too, is that poor judge of character is it also leads to stacking up a roster full of people that are irresponsible or unreliable. Bad, bad personalities um, can be a cancer within a team and, and that cancer can, can spread at um, a rate that is, is truly scary. Um, and, and to your point, you know, we, I've always been very slow to hire, quick to fire. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to try and develop somebody who's having a technical issue with, with their responsibility, but anybody who's not part of that team, um, you, you gotta, you gotta trim them. You can't keep them in the organization because that'll spread. And, and hopefully that hasn't spread to a point where other people believe in those concepts, those negative concepts, because you know, once you do that, the team's screwed and, and to build a team that truly just, trust one another and wants to work together is a really hard thing to do. I mean, it's one, I think one of the harder things of a leader is building that team. Has that been your experience with, I mean, not only with the team that you have here, but also the team you have uh, overseas? Well, I would, you know, and I, and I take, I add to the notes as we do shows and I literally under the category of what makes a bad leader, I just added a ninth item that says can't have tough conversations. Yeah. And, you know, here's the thing, if you're going to, if you're going to be a leader, if you're going to own a business, if you're, and honestly, if you, even if you're going to be a manager, you, you know, you talk about quick, uh, slow to hire, quick to fire the, uh, you know, you're not, if you, if you can't have tough conversations, you're going to drag things out forever. And I see this happen a lot. They're like, God, I should really, you know, I really have to, I should, Mary's not doing well at all. And I don't see her getting better. And there's something I've learned about employees is the great ones are usually great right away. Mm -hmm. And if they're not, they usually are never great. They might be good. That doesn't yeah. mean that they're terrible. I mean, we need role players. It depends how big your company is. You're usually not going to have like a 200 person company and a hundred percent of them are like that 10 out of 10, like, cause it's hard to find. I mean, right. it's hard to find. I mean, maybe if you have, if you can go through 20,000 people to find that top 1%, you're in pretty good shape. But um, yeah. So the, the inability to have tough conversations, I think comes from it's lack of assertiveness. I think that's another thing you could say, isn't, isn't there like, cause sometimes, you know, one of the things that, that one of my early mentors said to me, is when sometimes when you're doing the best job as a leader or a manager, not everyone likes you. Yeah. And 
that's just the way it goes. Like, I don't need everyone to like my decisions. If they come with clarity, there's a level of decisiveness. And that's, and I know for a fact that that's what we need to do. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. It's very binary. That's a yes or no kind of thing. So as long as they believe in that, that end goal and vision, even if they don't like the way that you're helping push or pull them to get there, um, it's, it's incredibly crucial. Um, and, and you're right, you know, you're not going to be everyone's favorite person. You're not going to all be best friends and, and be in each other's weddings and whatnot. But, um, you know, I think there's, there's something to be said for teams that have those kinds of dynamic side of work. That's definitely important, but there is also a blurred line of, you know, when does things turn into from, from a business into a fraternity, for example, and it gets kind of almost ineffective because everyone's more concerned with, with office politics and whatnot. Since the invention of the manager, employees have not liked the manager. <laughs> That's a good point. I can't, I can't, I can't prove that, but I know it. So <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is. So you know, um, yeah. So all right. So we would be remiss if we didn't offer some solutions because I don't like talking about problems and not talking about solutions. So you know, there's a we have a couple tips here that could help you become a better leader or manager. Um, so dually useful. Now I will tell you, if you are listening to this show, you will do a lot better with your business. You will do a lot better with life. If you work for someone else, you're still going to do better. If you embrace leadership, management's important, but leadership is, and, and, and guess what? You don't just learn to become a leader. You're like, cool. Learned it. Got it. Nailed that. No, man, it's like a constant, I mean, it's a constant thing and you have to, you have to constantly kind of check and challenge yourself. I think that self-deception, if you're not willing to admit that you might be the problem, then you <clears throat> need to rethink things because oftentimes it is you that's the problem. And if you're not willing to admit that, then you're not willing to solve the problem. So a few simple tips for becoming a better leader or manager, um, Get to know your employees and what they want. That's one of the things that we we really try to do during the interview process is um, I one of the interviews, at least I want to step away from the office and be very, very informal. Um, I want to know what is it that they like to do outside of work and try and incorporate that into the interview, if you will. So like the favorite ones that I like are the guys that like to golf or the, the women that like to golf, because although I'm not any good at it, that's a great way to spend some time. And you really get to know somebody um, when, when you're on the, on the course. Um, but then also, you know, uh, trying to figure out what makes them tick and where are they intrinsically or ex extrinsically motivated and, and, um, and being able to, I don't want to say cater to them, but being able to keep that in mind as you're trying to motivate them to, to do certain things or to move towards that, that unified mission. Well, I think if you can help other people get what they want, then you'll get what you want. And if, as a leader and an employer, um, if you help people get to where they want, like, I, yeah, okay, I'll give you an example. My very first employee in the Philippines in 2009, his goal, this, this guy's, and he's my age, his goal was to buy a house. So yes. he worked for me for a while, and I knew that. And then I finally, his name is Rico, and I finally said, Rico, you know what? I want to help you get what you want, and I want to help you buy a house. And if you, and I kind of gave him that thing, your parents will like tell you in high school, like, Hey, if you save up money for half the car, we'll buy the mm -hmm. other, help you buy the other half. Well, I did that. Nice. Dude comes back six months later and he's like, Matt, 
now now here's here's the thing you can buy a house in the philippines for like 25 grand us nice paid out the door like a decent house you know so he had he had saved up the money he had had, in six months literally he had already saved some he saved up the rest of it and he came and said hey i think i'm ready to buy a house and i literally sent 10 grand to a dude that I had never met in person, although I knew him <laughs> like a brother because we worked yeah. together every single day. Sure. He could have like just turned into vapor at that point and left, but mm-hmm. I basically put him on a payment plan. Um, nice. And at, at, and after a, a couple years, uh, he had paid me back, owned his home outright. Nice. And now I have a loyal dude, you Absolutely. know, and... I mean, he was helping me with, get what I wanted, so why not? Is he still working for you? Actually, not. No. <laughs> so, but but he did for ten years. A lot of well, my employees go. there. Well, a lot of my employees that started in two thousand nine had such a good opportunity of working for us. A lot of them have retired. You know, that's kind of one of our philosophies. We want <laughs> to help with uh, personal and professional development. Um, if someone wants to to like, let's say, for example, someone wants to have a side hustle. I don't want them to hide that. Bring it to me. Let's talk about it. Let's see if I can leverage my contacts or my experience to help you go with that. Um, if someone wants to, to develop personally or professionally, let's, let's work on those together. Let's develop people good enough so that they can leave, but treat them well enough so that they stay. Um, but, you know, I think to your point, you had employees retire after working for you for 10 years. That's kind of the ultimate goal. You've given them the freedom yeah. to gain that wanted and i think that speaks volumes to your ability to, to lead them especially a group of people that you have minimal day-to-day interactions with that's actually happened three times and every time it's happened i'm like what am i doing wrong because they're all my age i'm be 46 <laughs> this year now it's a little easier to to you know you make some money and be able to you know like i said you own a home you don't have a whole lot of other expenses you don't, do, don't have a lot of other things you have to deal with so why not it's true it's true. Leader and manager. Uh, we've talked a lot about communication. And I mean, that's obviously a key. We've talked about listening to your employees. That's also on the list. Now, this, the, I'm going to challenge our own list here because it says be a motivator. Now, I, that's other than how do I make more money? How do I motivate my team? It might be the most popular question that I've been asked over the last 15 years. And I think that you can't. I think that you can motivate people in the short term, but in the end, people have to motivate themselves. Like the uh, air quotes here for the listeners and not those watching. I should do it for the live stream. There you go. Air quotes. Um, So, but but here's the thing is, is you can motivate people, but that's a short term antidote. You can get people fired up. You can transfer that energy, but they have to take it and run with it at some point. Uh, So I think the, the term of how do I motivate my employees or my team it's tricky. It's tricky. Um, and you know, I mean, what do you do? I think, you know, it's kind of twofold, um, being able to, to take what you learn about what, what they enjoy and incorporate that, um, and finding ways of, of leveraging is is a really bad term to use, but being able to, to deploy that kind of, of empathy is I think really helpful. Um, having constant benchmarks, I think is also really, really important. Um, say, you know, for example, we hit sales goals for our, for our, our sales team. Um, if we do so many coolers in a year, we're taking everybody on an all expenses paid trip with their significant other uh, down somewhere in the islands. 
Um, so, you know, trying to find those, those things that keep people motivated. And, and, and I think, you know, having a work environment that's fun, that they enjoy coming to, um, so they actually get excited to come to bed. Matt, you there? Yeah. And for those of you listening, we got kicked out of our live studio. Well, we published this thing warts and all, so we leave that in there. Um, that was not your fault. We're having some fun and interesting times with our live stream platform right now, which is going to get the boot if it oh. keeps booting my guests. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, you're talking about like this, I went in a sales contest and I, I it's funny, I, I want a trip to Hawaii once for, for uh, in a sales contest. And um, that was not my motivation for being amongst the the top. I, I'm just, I, I don't know, I kind of naturally progress. I'm competitive. I like to do a good job. Uh, I was in a commission-based role. So I was, I mean, I was selling as much for me as I was for anyone else. So, sure. uh, and by the way, that's where I'm going with one of the things that I want to suggest, is, you know, as we head towards the end of this episode is, you know, the... Try to create a culture where your employees and those that you work with have a vested interest in the success of the enterprise. And I mentioned being on commission. Well, commission employees, they have a reason to sell because they get something for that sale. But you might have a whole back office and a whole other, you know, other people that have different goals and objectives. But in the end, the business is there to sell. It's there to generate revenue. It's there to earn money. So be cognizant of having them support each other, like both the salespeople, because the back office always hates the salespeople and the salespeople usually are irritated with the back office for completely <laughs> different reasons and a mm -hmm. whole lot of other stuff. Now, look, if I have a salesperson that's selling everything in the store, I'll find other people to come clean up the mess behind. That's fine. But yep. it doesn't mean the people cleaning up the mess appreciate the mess being made. So you got you to gotta keep that, you know, in, in your train of thought. And that goes with the next item, which is acknowledging success. I'm a big fan of celebrating just wins. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, here, it's funny because here on the podcast, well, okay, us getting kicked off the live stream there, that's going to break our, our streak. We can't control that. But we, much like a, a plant or a, uh, a production facility, are now embracing that we have gone zero days without a lost <laughs> time incident. Right. Because uh, we forget, you know, we do a lot of different stuff. We publish a lot of shows. The Full Scale blog publishes five days a week. We're filming a web series. And on top of that, we actually run a company that does tech services that has a couple hundred employees. So it's right. easy to let the little details kind of fall through the cracks sometimes. So uh, I, with with acknowledging success, we're really embracing the scorecard mentality. We just started doing this uh, a little more, but really, you know, if Matt Watson were here, he would say people want to know if they're winning or losing. And, yep. you know, and, and, and through the acknowledgement of the success and also acknowledgement of the failure, Absolutely. I think that the, because no one wants to see their name last on a list. Um you know, I, I once was a sales manager and doubled the sales for an entire territory. And I'm telling you the attribution for how I did that was purely based on public publishing the sales results for the whole territory. Cause no one wanted to be last on the list, much less all the time. It's true. So it's true. no, I, um, 
I think there's definitely something to be said for as as a leader um, taking what you see as your as your KPIs, your key performance indicators, and turning those into goals, and being able to reward on accomplishing those goals, and 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 acknowledging and, and really trying to bolster the people that, who accomplish those goals, and then trying to figure out what um, inner department goals look like, or how can two departments work together, and then all of a sudden you now have company-wide goals so that everyone is on the same page of, hey, this is how we're all trying to get to the same place, and that that big, hairy, audacious goal, or BHAG, if you will, at the at the end of the tunnel is where you can, can really, I think, build a lot of, of uh, movement towards the same objective across the entire company. Because you're absolutely right, you know, operations, more times than not, is always fighting with sales, because sales promises the sun, the moon, and the stars, and operations goes, well, I don't know how I'm going to get that done. Um, but if we find a way of, of trying to support that, that's, that's really, really powerful and impactful. My my uh, my answer to the operation saying I don't know how we're going to get that done is almost usually well quickly and accurately is what I'm hoping for. <laughs> yeah, um, it doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, that well it doesn't mean that they will or want to but you know how that goes. Okay, so as you're aware, because I know you're a listener of the show, I end my episodes and I say my episodes because I am not the only host on Startup Hustle. Make sure to tune in on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Catch Andrew Morgans talking about e-commerce and Lauren Conaway talking about all things Innovate Her. Also, when you get a chance, check out our YouTube channel. We started a TV show. I think the best advice I could give you from this episode is don't start your TV show. It's a lot of work. But that said, ready we've created something pretty awesome i think uh for those of you that that enjoy the podcast you'll get to know the hosts a little better and you will get to know a lot of fun and interesting entrepreneurs from all walks of life now back to the founders freestyle scott what would you like to say on the way out of this episode you know i aside from just thanking you guys from having me on this has been an incredible experience and something i'm i'm really appreciative of uh, would really try and push entrepreneurs and business leaders across the board of taking a step back and looking at, at deploying some empathetic leadership. Um, I think that they'll get way more out of their teams if, if they're able to be introspective in their approach and look at ways of truly trying to build a team that's moving towards the same goal as opposed to getting lost the fact that I'm the director of such and such organization and we're going to do it my way because I know best. Um, I can speak from my own experience that's never been uh, teams that I've enjoyed working on. Um, and it's actually one of the reasons why I decided to start Hydros. And so I would, I would hope that more people could start to take a more empathetic approach to, uh, to how they, they operate within their teams. Yeah, I think, uh, I think for my freestyle on the way out, I want to just say that first, understand there is a difference between a leader and a manager. A manager is someone that says, come on, let's get this done together. Uh, or a leader is someone that says, come on, let's get this done together, or hey, let's do this as a team. A manager is someone that says, go do that now mm -hmm. and hurry up. Absolutely. Or, you know, it's a boss. It's a boss and not a leader. And there's a big difference. Uh, you know, I, I also want to really emphasize the fact that leadership is never complete. It's something that you always have to work on. And it is something that you have to learn how to do. While some personality types and people seem to be a little more naturally apt to lead, 
Uh, it's never, it's, it's never a, a finished or polished product. Uh, we all had to learn and, you know, and it means humbling yourself. It means accepting that you might be part of the problem. It means that change is inevitable. Now, look, there's only one thing in life that I can promise you, Scott, and that's that things will change past Absolutely. that. No clue, buddy. <laughs> it's so but true. Things will change they will not stay static. So that's the only constant that you can count on in this universe. And knowing that things change and will, you have to be ready for them to change. You need to be prepared. And you look at things like COVID and all this other stuff, never has the value of leadership traded at a higher price than now. Because people need leaders in times of adversity and you know, and if you weren't a good leader in 2020, you still got time. You, you know, there's all been, we, any good leader will look back at their own the errors and mistakes and everything else and not tell you about them, but tell you how they grew from them. So, you know, focus on leadership, embrace leadership and want leadership. And I think you will be likely to become a leader. Scott, thanks for joining me, man. Matt, I really appreciate it. Like I said, this has been a, a, an absolute blast and uh, one that I, I truly appreciate your time and, and your thoughts. Um, and I'm excited to continue to listen to uh, the podcast and, and bring the other, the other leaders that you decide to bring on the show. Yep. I thank you for that. And I'll see you next time, sir. Sounds good. Have a good one. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.